Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Today, DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast features John McManamy, consumer expert, mental health advocate, and author of the new book, Living Well with Depression and Bipolar Disorder. Welcome, John. We are so pleased to have you as our guest today. Thanks, Cindy. I'd like to begin by addressing the source of inspiration that you had for living well with depression and bipolar disorder. There are many books on the topics of depression and bipolar disorder. Why did you feel it was important to write this book? Uh, Well, Cindy, I was looking to write the kind of book that would answer the kind of questions I had when I was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder back in 1999. Uh, I wanted the book to be for both depression and bipolar patients and their loved ones, but I did not have a unifying theme to justify the approach. Uh, then I came across a research article in a psychiatric uh, journal on the mood spectrum, and pow, suddenly a light bulb went off. Now, uh, think of the mood spectrum as a continuum with depression on one end and mania on the other. In essence, we're looking at depression and bipolar as part of the same phenomenon. Psychiatry right now regards each illness as separate and distinct, but leading psychiatrists suggest that the true reality is one of subtle shades of the illness. For instance, you could could even be a little bit bipolar. Okay, hold that thought for a while. Mania and hypomania and depression, in fact, blend together in the middle of the spectrum into what I call novel depressions and soft forms of bipolar. Now, why is this important? It's important in that your so-called unipolar depression may have characteristics of bipolar depression. So instead of perhaps taking antidepressants, you may need to take mood stabilizers. And instead of worrying about being sad, you may have to work on your anger or other issues. So you're just saying that as far as treatment is concerned, there needs to be a a broader look at um, how treatment is applied based on a mood spectrum as opposed to the singular diagnosis. Oh, most definitely. You got it right on the button, Cindy. Great. Well, I noticed that one of the central themes of living well is personal responsibility. Um, Would you summarize for us your thoughts on this? Yes. uh, Our illness feeds on the uninformed. Um, An editorial in the March 2004 British Medical Journal cited two Stanford University studies that found that so-called expert patients who researched their illness and took an active part in managing their illness had better outcomes and fewer doctor visits than those who did not. The smarter we are, in effect, uh, the better we can work with our psychiatrists and other treating professionals, and the more we can put our own coping skills to work. How, in your book, do you address becoming a smart patient? Um, Oh, I didn't catch the question, Cindy. How, in the book, do you address becoming a smart patient? Um, Oh, it's um, divided into about, uh, I think, about 20 chapters. And it really is all about being smart. It's um, whether being smart about our medications treatment, being smart about our lifestyle, um, being smart about our coping skills, uh, just being smart about our habits. It's also um, being smart about knowing exactly what our diagnosis is. Um, In other words, uh, you know, if at any given time we have to know exactly where we are on the mood spectrum I talked about because if we don't, uh, we may be uh, treated the wrong way by our psychiatrists. Okay. Um, I also noticed that one of the topics, one of the things you actually give a fair amount of um, 
space to is the topic of medications. Um, and many people, and authors in particular, still steer clear of the topic of medications. Um, what, what's your perspective on why this is so important for you to address that um, in this book? Yeah, well, this, uh, Cindy, strikes at the heart of being a smart patient. Um, if you simply expect to get well by sitting back and waiting for your psychiatrist to get your meds right, you may be waiting a long time. Um, incidentally, this is the first book written by a patient um, on mood disorders that covers the meds and other treatments in depth from a patient's point of view. Um, in talking with patients, um, I get the impression that they get the impression from their psychiatrist to just take your meds and shut up. Um, a lot of books written by doctors for patients uh, leave us with the same impression. It's as if the meds are the end-all and the be-all, and we're not supposed to worry about our illness anymore. We're, well, our illness doesn't know about that. Um, Living Well has a lot of standard meds information in it, but it also challenges psychiatrists on a lot of key meds issues. Uh, for instance, many patients complain that their psychiatrists don't listen when they complain of onerous side effects or of being over-sedated. It's as if um, psychiatrists think it's a fair trade-off um, um, you know, we'll stabilize your mood and you have to go around the rest of your life as a fat, stupid um, zombie eunuch. Um, my book advises what I advise in support, in support groups, uh, DBSA support groups, mainly not to quit on your meds. Give them a chance to work. You know, the side effects may go away. And to work with your psychiatrist in finding what works for you. Uh, the goal of treatment is to get back to full functioning with virtually no symptoms and no major side effects. And patients are entitled to hold their psychiatrists to this standard, as well as taking personal responsibility for their own wellness and recovery. I see. Um, I also noticed you're pretty critical of the DSM classifications. I know that's probably related to some of the issues that you were just talking about as far as the mood spectrum is concerned. But yeah. what are some of your major concerns with the current classification? Boy, yeah, oh, you hit this one on the head, uh, Cindy. Am, am I ever critical? Uh, the DSM is virtually unchanged since the first modern edition came out in 1980. Now, a lot of groundbreaking research has taken place since then. I mean, we had a whole decade of the brain in the 1990s. Um, and it seems the DSM is totally unaware of this. Now, just imagine doing your work on a 1980 computer. I mean, you'll get some idea. I mean, that's the kind of outdated mechanism we're working with. And keep in mind, the DSM actually still thinks that depression and bipolar are two separate illnesses. And the best evidence we have now is they're part of a spectrum. Now, why, why this is serious is the DSM is accepted as wholly writ, not only by um, the psychiatric profession, but uh, by patients. Um, we read it as so-called, um, quote-unquote, received wisdom. Now, it's... The DSM's original purpose never was to be uh, wholly writ. It was only meant to uh, be a convenient way for psychiatrists to communicate to each other without being confused about um, what the diagnostic terms were. Now, um, fortunately, there are enlightened psychiatrists, but their message has yet to spread through the profession. And um, a lot of the information from my book is drawn from these enlightened psychiatrists. As patients, our illness won't give us time for the word to spread or uh, the DSM to get with the program. I mean, you know, if you've got a severe depression or, or your mania is wrecking up your life, um, we, we can't wait for uh, 10 years for the DSM to get, to get its act together. We need to know this stuff right now, and we need to make sure our psychiatrists are on the same page. 
Wow, that's a pretty um, interesting and new um, approach in terms of the strong stance as far as the singular diagnosis. Um, it was, it's very interesting. Um, one of the other things I found interesting in the book was your use of the term, and it's the first time I've ever heard of it, it's called bichronicity. It's as uniquely different from bipolar disorder. What is bichronicity and why is the concept and therefore the distinction important? language. You know, ever since the Beach Boys came out with good vibrations, I, I always thought, man, I wish I would invented that word. So if I can, it, you know, if I can get an entry into the dictionary in its mind, I, <laughs> you know, I, I will have, um, you know, I, I can just die happy. So in, anyway, I, I use the term bichronic uh, to give uh, a subjective view of bipolar disorder. Um, all the books out there give a clinical view. It's dry, it's clinical, and worse, it's the DSM checklist. Uh, you know, you got five of the nine symptoms, and and that's it. Uh, there's there's no further um, investigation into it. No insight. No, um, what does this really mean to us as patients? Now, by contrast, in living well, uh, the patients and loved ones do a lot of the talking. I think I talked to about 200 uh, patients in, for my book, and their their stories are really the heart and soul of the book. They tell the rest of us what the depression and mania and the isolation and loneliness and fear and terror really truly means. And uh, bichronicity just happened to be my own personal take. And it, I, by bichronicity, I describe a subjective feeling of time speeding up and slowing down. It, you know, almost like um, you're speeding um, past traffic, um, which is the time speeding up, and then you're stuck in traffic and frustrated, which is the time slowing down. And when I first wrote about this on my website, um, the reader response was overwhelming and enthusiastic. It was like, you know, at last, finally, uh, someone has really described what my illness is all about. Well, I think you made it into the, uh, the record book on that one there, John. <laughs> um, you know, this book has just really got so much information in it. Um, I know everyone's, you know, aside from the great medical information that you provide and some um, some background information in terms of the diagnosis. Um, what practical recovery tools do you um, feature in Living Well? Yeah, well, this is where we, being really smart comes into play. Um, the meds um, will only get us partway to recovery. Um, being smart with lifestyle is critically important. This is diet, exercise, and sleep. And Living Well features a lot on this. You know, I'm convinced, for instance, if you get your sleep right, uh, then you're halfway there. In fact, I joke in my support groups um, that sleep is the main illness and the mood disorder is the downstream effect. Um, and, you know, guess what? I'm probably half right when I tell that joke. Um, managing your sleep is vital. Um, so is mindfulness. Um, and mindfulness involves being attuned, really, really attuned to subtle shifts in mood and energy levels. If you can pick up these subtle shifts early, you may be able to nip an episode in, in the bud. Uh, sometimes the solution is as simple as stopping to smell the roses. I mean, I know when I'm um, a little hypomanic in the evening, you know, if I can get a good night's sleep, I'll wake up um, in the morning literally with my clock reset, I'm fine. Um, avoiding stress and managing stress is critical because these are triggers to a mood episode. Um, Finding a support network, um, whether it's a formal group such as DBSA or some friends is vital because isolating ourselves, um, the research has proved that um, 
just makes the illness worse. Um, if you're depressed and you isolate, um, you're not seeing people, you can spin down into a further depression, um, and then in a further depression, you're less inclined to reach out for help, and then suddenly you're at a real danger level. So you've got to get out and see people, you know, even if it's only just to go to the coffee shop and uh, you know, buy yourself a cup of coffee and read the newspaper. Um, now, all of this may sound like a lot of work, um, but the good news is by managing your own life and by being smart, we don't have to be pi passive bystanders in our illness. Um, we, we don't have to be waiting forever for our doctors to get the meds doses right. Uh, yeah, two of those topics, again, it kind of just stresses that whole, two, the two primary concepts you talk about in terms of knowing yourself and therefore your diagnosis and what's you know, relevant to you and, and being a smart patient as well. Um, TBSA focuses on the idea, in our opinion, the reality of recovery. Um, could you give us your perspective on recovery for yourself and for others living with depression and bipolar disorder? Uh, yes. Um, oh, this, this is such a central theme of the book. Complete recovery is the only acceptable goal with our illness. And you are the judge, you the patient, of what your own recovery is. Maybe you want to be normal. Um, I, for one, want to be better than normal. Um, the title of my book says, Living Well, Not Just Surviving. Um, I regard my illness as a gift. It is part of who I am, for better and for worse. Now, I know some of the people listening to this podcast may find this a little bit hard to accept, especially if I say I would not trade in my illness for being normal. But I would rather live well with my illness than live free from it. These days, I actually find myself uh, feeling sorry for so-called normal people. But the, but the point is, um, you define what your recovery is for you. Um, you know, and, and um, recovery, um, in the most generic terms, is getting back to full functioning, getting back to where you feel you belong in the world. And you're the one who's entitled to make um, set your terms for how you belong in, um, in the world. And for most people, that would be um, getting what and getting along well at work and being able to go to work. Um, if you're not um, fully able to go to work, it's finding other ways to lead a productive life. Um, but you're in a position where you can make choices about your life and just not be some um, passive person waiting for people to help you all the time. Well, at DBSA, we certainly believe in that full-heartedly. Oh, yeah, well, that, 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 that's why I'm an active supporter of DBSA. Yes, I, yeah. uh, um, you, know, we, you know, the system is often broken. But if we, if we just wait and sit for um, the system to fix itself, we're going to be waiting forever. And that's why I like DBSA so much, because it's about patient responsibility. Uh, we take charge of managing our illness. And this is, what the, this is what my book, Living Well, is all about, is we're the managers of our illness. And we work with our, our treating professionals. And we work with, as in equal partnerships with our treating professionals. Mm-hmm. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here today. We've kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, are there any final thoughts that you want to be able to share with our listeners today, John? Yeah, yeah, Cindy. Um, never give up hope. You're entitled to a full and productive life. Uh, don't let your doctor or anyone else uh, tell you otherwise. You may have to change your expectations. Uh, you may have to redefine some of your goals, but don't let others define what success or happiness means for you. Uh, the rest of the world has no idea what you have gone through, but you know. You know what you are truly made of, and I applaud you for your strength. Believe me, um, every once in a while I'll enter into a one-day 
or two day depression. And when I come out of it, um, it's like, wow, I, now I realize, you know, now I remember what it was like when I had my awful, awful depressions. And um, I applaud you guys for what you have, for what many of you have to go through every day. I mean, you are so unbelievably strong, it's, it's unreal. So um, to that, I would say find out everything you can about your illness and learn about the power of being smart. By being smart, you can use your strength that you know you have to best effect. Mentally ill, yeah, maybe. Mentally tough, whoa, definitely. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you, John, for your time today. And kind of in summary to that, I'd like to end our discussion with a wonderful passage from John's book, Living Well with Depression and Bipolar Disorder. And so we finally reach a safe harbor where we re rededicate ourselves to reclaiming our lives one day at a time if it comes to that with a new respect and profound sense of what we're up against, but also with a new regard for the gift of life. John, it's truly a message of hope for each of us. Thank you so much for your time today and for your ongoing work. Oh, thanks very much, Cindy. This has been a DDSA Real Recovery Podcast. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call one 800 826 3632. We've been there. We can help.